Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. This is the first episode of November, and I feel compelled to share with you my opinion about the month of November, which is, I don't like it. I think it's a stupid month. And I don't like it. And I haven't for years. I remember in college, I got so grumpy one November and I created a playlist that was just called No, which was short for November. Get it? Get it? Um, And it was all like the angry, grumpy songs that I liked. (laughs) I think part of it's the weather, though. Actually, the era of the No November playlist was when I was living in South Carolina, which is a very warm and sunny place. So it's not all the weather's fault. But Definitely this year I'm noticing already we're, what, four days into November, (laughs) but it's already making things tough for me. And I think, yeah, I think part of it's the weather. It's gray, it's rainy, it's foggy, it's cold, it's darker. We're all adjusting to it. Coming off of a summer and then a beautiful fall where the leaves were just putting on this amazing show. And yeah, it was getting colder, but it was kind of nice cold. And now it's just bad cold, but the Christmas markets aren't open yet. So it's just kind of bleh. Anyway, that's my feeling about November. And I'm telling you in part because I also needed to check in with myself and remind myself of the fact that this is how I feel about November and this happens almost every year and I get cranky. And I know a lot of people have that around this time of year. I know a good friend of mine has that every October. To those of you out there who also have grumpy months in the fall, hello. (laughs) I see you. I feel you. I don't feel like I have any helpful advice or tips other than to just say hi, hello, you're not alone, nor am I. We're all grumpy together. Uh, That being said, this week's episode is a reminder to me that I'm not grumpy about everything in the world because I actually really love interviewing people and talking to people, and today's guest is no exception to that. Her name is Julie, and I was very excited to get connected with her. Immediately, we had about 12 different things that we could talk about, but I was excited to get into the topic of timing and happiness with her because happiness, as you'll hear me say in the episode, it's it's one of those topics that I, I'm really interested in and I find very important, but I, I, I'm i like allergic to some forms of the way it gets discussed. So I'm always a bit picky about how I engage with the topic. And this is a topic that Julie's dedicated a lot of time and energy to. So I was really excited to get into that with her. And also timing. Julie is someone who's lived her life on her own timeline. And sure, for some people, maybe it seems like she did certain things late, but for her, it was just on time. And I really love that theme. I love that concept. I think I need to hear it. I'm sure some of you guys do too. So let's give it on over to Julie and let her talk about living a life that is full of happiness and that is right on time. Enjoy. I'm Julie Leonard. I am from Scotland and I'm currently living in Munich, Germany and I have been here It'll be eight years in January, this coming January. So quite a long time now. I think Munich's just one of those cities that people love and they stay. I think that's true. I think a lot of people do come and say, I'll come for two years, I'll come for three years, and then they're here 11, 12 years and onwards. And so, I mean, my my plan was to come here reasonably permanently. It wasn't a short-term thing. But I do think now that I live here, despite 
the challenges that all expats face when you live in a different country. Once you've lived here, it's quite hard to imagine where else to go because it's such a good quality of life here in Munich. I wanted to say a couple things at the at the top because when we talked to set up this episode, there was a bit of a theme that I wanted to introduce right at the get-go here, which is limitations that we set ourselves in and breaking out of them. And I think going through life, it's kind of a constant swing back and forth of kind of falling back into limiting yourself and limiting yourself and then being like, wait, no, I, I can step beyond that. And then stretching it back out until it kind of goes back the other way. And I liked thinking about this topic in terms of life abroad because it's such a clear step outside of the norm that, I mean, it messes with your brain in a lot of different ways, but I think this concept of limitations is really one of them that stands out to me because, you know, for instance, I might think I'm the kind of person who, I don't know, who showers every morning. It's part of my morning routine, right? And for years, this is true. And then I'm all of a sudden I'm living in Germany and I started going bouldering a lot in the evenings, which I feel like is a very German, at least Freiburg thing to do. So you get super messy, you're covered in chalk, you have to shower afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm not the girl who showers every morning to wake up. I'm the girl who showers after bouldering in the evenings. And granted, that's a very silly example that's not important <laughs> to my life in any way. But it's something that I've noticed in myself and my friends repeatedly in bigger ways where we think, well, I'm not that kind of person. I, you know, I don't go to art museums. I don't do this or that. But because we are living abroad and we're already so outside of our norm, our comfort zone, we start thinking, okay, well, maybe I do go to art museums because I, I don't know. I also didn't think I was the kind of person who lived in a different country, but now here I am. So what else don't I know? And what else can I change if I want to? Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. As soon as I moved here, it was just like, well, you know, I can't, I'm so far out of my comfort zone. I can't even see it anymore. It's just a different life. And yeah, a lot of things that I didn't do or didn't think I would do or didn't think I would try, you do because you're living in a different country. I mean, I, I mean, I, I moved from Scotland and I mean, that's kind of similar. It's a very outdoorsy place, you know, mountains, skiing, all these things. I did none of that when I lived there. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like the cold. I don't like being outside very much unless it's on a beach somewhere, which you're not going to do in Scotland without <laughs> a warm blanket over you. But here, you know, it, I, I realized that to embrace living here and a big part of living in Munich is that you get to embrace a city, but you also get to embrace the outdoors. And so I find myself doing things that I never thought would be me and just stretching uh, myself. Yeah, was so was the move from Scotland to Munich or were there a couple other steps along the way? <laughs> no, I'm not one of those people that's lived in lots of different countries. No, this is my first experience of being an expat. I grew up in, in Scotland, lived and worked there, had a good life there. I had a, a nice place to live. I had my own home, always had a job, always had, you know, earning money, um, had a great career. Um, everything was good, had a good quality life, was out socializing. You know, Glasgow, where I come from, is just an amazing city. Everything was great. So moving here was a very new experience for me. I'd not a great idea of what it would be like to be an expat but the reason I moved was I, I met someone I fell in love with an Italian who was living here and so I moved to be with him 
Um, so I did have the opportunity to travel backwards and forwards for around 18 months before I moved. So I got a sense of the city, but being an expat now has been a huge learning curve. Yeah, I actually really love talking to people who aren't the people who have lived a million exciting places, because I think those people tend to have had more preparation mentally, at least in the fact that their life might go this way, which is not to say it's not interesting. I do also really like talking to those people, but I'm kind of the same way as you, where it wasn't necessarily something I saw for myself. And and then it happened before you fell in love with this person. It it sounds like it wasn't really at all on your radar that you'd be doing Mm -hmm. this move. And and also when you moved, you, you made a pretty permanent move. So it's really this concept of picking up roots and then trying to plant them Mm -hmm. in a whole new place. Yeah, I think I always had that kind of, I guess, a fantasy of living somewhere warmer and nicer. And just before I met him, I said, I'd like to meet an Italian or a Frenchman. I go live somewhere like that, you know, so it was that kind of, but it was more that sort of, it didn't seem very realistic. It was more that kind of romantic idea of like, it'd be lovely to live somewhere else, but not really rooted in reality at all. I was ready for a change. I was ready to try somewhere different. But I think before I moved, I would always have said, yeah, you know, we can move to Munich and then, you know, if it doesn't work out, we can go to Italy or we can go somewhere else. And I always thought, hey, I wouldn't mind trying different places. And then when I moved and I think living here for a year or two, the reality of the effort and the energy and how hard it is to settle and and put those roots down in a new country became a reality. And I realize now that it's actually a really good reason to move again. I wouldn't just move for the sake of it or to try somewhere because I think, gosh, it'd be such a lot to start over again, to learn a new culture, to learn a whole new system or way of life. Of, And for me, the most important is like connection and friendship. I really love people and I, I really value my friends. And that's probably been one of the hardest things is not seeing my close friends every day, which I saw, you know, I always saw someone every day. And making those friends, the deep rooted, you know, best friends type friends, it's not easy to do and it takes a long time. So yeah, I would think seriously and long and hard about moving again. I do kind of love that you, <laughs> I'll use this word, manifested meeting someone <laughs> from from France or Italy and yes. then the universe or God or whoever sends you one, except he's actually living in Germany, which is not typically the most romantic country in people's minds. Mm. I I would argue that it can be quite romantic in the landscape and in eh, maybe not the culture, but at least the landscapes. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm a life coach, so I do believe in, in manifestation in the sense of like when you're really clear on what you want, you do find those opportunities. So my friend took me away for my 40th birthday. It's a lovely castle retreat weekend. We're talking about relationships and men as we always do. And I said, oh, you know, I really want to meet, I'd like to meet more of an international person or, you know, I like Italians and I like French and I like the culture, you know, I'm coming from Scotland as a really strong connection with Italians. I think I was kind of putting it out there. And then I said yes to an invitation from my best friend to be her plus one at a wedding in Romania. And that's where I met him. So you said that was the conversation with your friend was at your 40th birthday. Mm-hmm. So the move happened, you said it was a little bit after that. So you'd already, yeah. you know, had a, a whole 
life going for Mm -hmm. a while Mm -hmm. as an adult. I don't know. I hear a a lot of people moving in their 20s and 30s, and it's really cool to hear of someone having this experience in their 40s. Yeah, I enjoyed my life. It wasn't like I was trying to get away from anything, but I did get kind of burnt out with the work I was doing and get a bit tired and stressed out and, and then did feel ready for a change. And I think I've done a lot of things more in my 40s than I did perhaps in my 20s. I think I'm a different person. I'm much more confident than I was, much more mature. <laughs> Not that mature, but more mature, relatively speaking, I'm more mature. And um, like many people, I think, you know, I was in a relationship for a long time and then that didn't work out in my 30s and looking for different things and felt very fulfilled with my career, but got to a point later in my 30s where I was like there's more than this and yeah I met Cristiano a month before my 41st birthday you know when I'm probably thinking you know am I ever going to meet someone am I ever going to get married am I ever going to have children I was really at that point of thinking that's not really going to happen for me but I met him and it was great from the start and we did that long distance relationship for about 18 months before I I decided to move and I moved here and now we have a six-year-old son together and he actually only proposed to me this year on my 50th birthday and we're going to get married next year so doing a lot of things later on but right on time yeah it's, it's, it was the right time to meet him and yeah the right time for all of this to happen and it's fantastic I don't know how this is going to come across but I'm just going to say it I'm um so I'm, I'm 29 and a lot of my friends are anywhere from their late 20s to mid 30s and a lot of especially my female friends are starting to have a lot of thoughts and concerns about if they want to have kids and if so mm-hmm. you know when and all of this so at least out of my personal circle, it's going to be a thrill to people to hear your story because it did all happen after 40 and even having a child. I think that's really great. <laughs> yeah, I've become that story that people tell their friends. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice. Yeah, I mean, not all of us want to wait until our 40s for all of this, but I think it's also hopeful and it's about, you know, yeah, doing it right on time. I mean, of course, I do say to Christiano, I wish I'd met you 20 years ago, you know, things would be a lot easier, but it wouldn't have worked. We were different people. And I think all the experiences that I've gone through led me to being in the right place at the right time and being open to these opportunities and making those leaps and taking those risks. And I always say, you know, to all my clients as well, I've got many, many women who come to me in the same position that you've got plenty of time. Don't stress about it. Don't worry about it. And there's many women having their first kid in their 40s, you know, and I I had I had my son at 43. Naturally, um, no problem at all. And I've got this beautiful six year old boy. And apart from sometimes just not having quite enough energy at 50 (laughs) years old, I think there's also so many positives. I don't feel like I had to give anything up I don't feel I missed out on anything like you said I lived a full life before this part of my journey and so you know I was never giving anything up I was in good health I was in good shape physically and mentally I met the right person and so don't worry don't stress it'll happen at the right time with the right person Well, and I'm curious to hear more about these eight years in Munich. So we know you moved for for love and you had 18 months where you were towing the water, slowly getting a little bit more invested in the place. 
But what did it look like for you when you actually made that move? Like you mentioned, you had a really fulfilling career back in Scotland. Is that something you were able to bring with you? I guess it kind of felt like giving everything up and starting again. I prepared myself as much as possible. Well, I was very aware that I couldn't just come here and hope it would all work out. I don't believe in that. You've got to make it happen. You've got to work on it. I didn't want to just come and say, I hope it works. I hope I meet friends. I hope it's good. You know, like I came with a really clear plan of what to do. So I did come here with some major goals, which were to learn German, to set up my own business, to have a network of friends and to get pregnant. And I worked really hard and I I really did six months of intensive German, which you would not know now after eight years that I can speak (laughs) any German. It's it's still atrocious. But I did invest in that and learn some. I transitioned. um, I worked in um, the, the voluntary sector in mental health services in Scotland. And that doesn't exist here. And also with the language, it's very difficult. So I've been working with women and mental health and and everything for over 30 years now. So I transitioned into coaching, which was just a very natural move. It's what I had been doing all along. It just wasn't called coaching. So I studied that and set up my own business. And I worked really hard on looking after me and, and doing everything right to get pregnant. And I went home at the end of that first year and everyone said, oh, you're so lucky. And I was like, it was not luck. I really worked hard for this, you know. I'd set up my business. I had some clients. I was six months pregnant by the time I went home. Things were going well, but it was also challenging. I do kind of feel like I really had to start again after doing so well. You know, I was a manager of a mental health organization. You know, I had a huge network. I love talking, as you can tell. So I love meeting people and talking and networking, connecting, you know, I had a great life and lots of friends and everything. And it really felt like starting at the bottom and working my way back up again. Well, and it's also so humbling. It's it's also this ego bit where it maybe not for everyone, but I think a certain amount of your self-perception and self-worth when you do have a career that you enjoy and that you're succeeding in ends up being from your job. So then to leave it and just show up in this new place where you can't even communicate your great thoughts in their language, it's humbling. And it makes you notice that ego that was there and then makes you have to figure out, okay, well, maybe either A, how can I keep making this work if I'm still really passionate about the work? And like you said, just kind of shift, okay, before it was taking the form of nonprofit work and now it's going to take the form of life coaching. But I'm sure there was also an element of having to kind of let go of that being this major backbone of who you were you know, and now you had Mm. so much more going. You were a person who was learning a language, a person who was getting pregnant, a person who was learning a new culture and, Mm. and also a person who was starting her own business and doing this work. So, but it was just more identities now, it sounds like. So much of my identity was, it's always been tied up with what I do. It's just so much of me. It's all I've ever done. And it's what I still absolutely love doing, but I was ready to shift how I worked because working in the nonprofit sector for 20 plus years is tough. <laughs> and so I was quite burnt out with it, actually. So I was ready for a change in that way. But I'd never worked for myself. I'd never set up a business. I'd never done anything like that. Yeah, I guess it is humbling and it makes you reflect on actually what's important. And it always was about just the love of what I do, the connection with clients. 
it was exciting, but also exhausting. I, I started setting it up when I was pregnant and I launched it when I was six months pregnant. So it was quite a tough time to sort of, as you say, navigate learning a language and learning a whole new culture. And remember learning to live with someone that I'd only spent a couple of weeks with at a time, you know, like that's also a big thing to, to date someone long distance and then actually go from like, you know, the odd weekend or maybe a week or two together to actually just living permanently with someone that's a huge adjustment for both of us um <laughs> and then to very quickly move in with someone and go straight into being pregnant there was a lot of things there to navigate but I've done it and so I think that's it like I always came with the attitude of like what's the worst that'll happen if it doesn't work out I'll just go home again you know like I'll be okay it'll be awful for a while but it'll be okay so I was just ready for that change and I love working for myself I absolutely love it yeah I mean again it's it, I'm thinking of that word limitless and it's a certain freedom that I, I kind of just feel from the way you're talking about all of this like you're not limiting yourself with oh it's not going to work because of the bureaucracy or it's not going to work because of the language or it's not going to work because no one knows who I am here and I'm starting this business as a stranger uh, any of those fears just no you know no we'll find out you know we're going to try it and there's no reason to assume it's going to not work out <laughs> ride it out see where it takes you yeah and don't get don't get me wrong you know there's plenty of days where I'm like what am I doing and this is never going to work <laughs> and just go and get a real job or whatever you know well, yeah, I think it's just years of working on myself and try not to focus on the obstacles, but really focus on the goal. And like I said, when I came over here, I didn't just say, oh, I hope, I hope it'll all work out. I had a clear plan of what I had to do to make it happen. I'm very intentional about what I do. There's still plenty of challenges and tough for a while. We had no childcare and my partner was working full time and I was trying to juggle everything. So I think probably it was a slow start for me because of all of that, but I always focus on the whys about things, you know, not just the what, but the why. Why am I doing this? And I really want to enjoy my life. I love having, yeah, much more freedom, much more control over what I do. Really that work-life balance. So now, now my son has just started first grade here. And so now I can balance that where I can work a few hours every day and then be a mom as well. So I love that I do have that control over how I choose to spend my time. Something you mentioned earlier as something that's very important to you is friendships and connection, community. And I'd love to hear more about that. You said that's actually one of the reasons you have a harder time imagining moving somewhere else now. So, so clearly mm. it worked. You found good friends. You found the right community. How? How'd that happen? Lots of different ways. I mean, I would say one of the challenges of living here in Munich is it's a very transient community here. It's a huge international community. There's about 30% of people here are expats. People move a lot. We have huge companies, so people come on secondment for two or three years. So I have to say I've met lots of wonderful people and then they've left. And mm. that's been very hard. I find that very difficult. Or I meet someone and I go, oh, yeah, I really can't wait to get know, to know this person. And they go, oh, I'm leaving next month. And you're like, oh. So that's definitely one of the challenges. The ways that I met people, well, again, I was very proactive. And actually, before I moved here, I started going out there to meet people because I didn't want to just rely on the friends of my partner. So um, I joined Internations and I joined Meetup. And I went out and met people. Sometimes when I was just visiting him, I would go out so that I could get to know the city. And so I ended up meeting 
somebody before I even moved. And then when I moved, I would meet her and hang out with her a little bit. And that was nice. And then I decided to set up my own group on those platforms because I was finding that a lot of those groups, I would go and do something, go to an event and I'd have a nice couple of hours, but I wasn't really connecting, you know, because there'd be like lots of people and stuff. So I wanted to set up the kind of meeting that I would like. So I set up the happiness club because that's what I'm passionate about is happiness. And so I wanted to bring women together where we could eat nice food and drink nice drinks and form connections and talk about topics related to happiness. And so that's what I did. And I met lots of people that way as well. I really connected with loads of people. I built my business that way, but I also connected with friendships as well. But when I had my son, I also then went to an expat mummy baby group. And there I made probably the people that I am the closest friends with now. And yeah, then I I went into more of the entrepreneurial side. And yeah, I actually ran a group for entrepreneurs here. And uh, that's how I met a lot of other people who were self-employed and running a business. And I also set up a Facebook group for my area, a mums and dads group. And I just picked up random people in parks and stuff like that. (laughs) Lots of different ways of just getting out and creating opportunity to meet people. That's what I've done. Wow, yeah, you really you looked at all these different aspects of what was making up your day-to-day, your life, and then just putting it out there and saying, who else is this way? Or let's talk. It works. The different aspects of my life. I'm a working mom, so my work and my career are important to me, but being a mom and a parent is also important. And I may have been in my 40s when I had them, but I actually had absolutely no clue what I was doing. So I'm like, I totally need support here. <laughs> But also, like as an expat, I think, and as a mom, you do, you definitely need peer support when you go through that because it's a very challenging and very lonely time as well. So I looked at the different aspects of my life and the things that I like doing. And yeah, as you say, I put it out there and went, anyone else want to do this kind of stuff? So since in my 30s, I became very social. I used to be very, very shy and very anxious and very introverted. You wouldn't really? believe that now. Yeah. I was going to ask because <laughs> I was thinking like, okay, it sounds like a good, a good tip in a way, right? Just create your own group and and put it out there but that's also so brave and vulnerable because what if you put it out there and no one responds Mm -hmm. or you try to do a a little meetup and and no one comes or something like that so it's quite a bold brave move and then to hear that you are sort of a past shy Mm -hmm. person is Mm -hmm. wow definitely like that wouldn't have been what I've done previously again that's what I'm saying I think doing it in my 40s brings a lot of stuff around that where like well, I can be really shy and and not go anywhere and stay in my house, or I can go out there and make things happen. And well, what's the worst that happens? No one else wants to meet you and do that activity, but people do. Yeah, I've just got to a point where I'm quite happy to, you know, walk into some random bar and order something in German and and meet people. And, you know, I got quite good at that. I know it's challenging for some people, of course, if you're more introverted, it's really hard. And I've had many people come to my groups where it's been so difficult for them just to walk in the place and you've kind of got to try or you don't get anywhere and the rewards are really worth it. I host my happiness club in a cat cafe, you know, (laughs) vegan food with real cats. I think people really come for the cats and not me, but but it's a really cool place. And then I got to know the owners and we all just meet in there and it's a great experience. So. Yeah, I've been in eras or times in my life that person who it would be hard to 
motivate myself to walk in that door because I would feel really nervous and afraid. And that's something that I, I, I mean, I was working on it before I moved abroad, but it's something that I really had to work on a lot faster with the move abroad. So to bring it back to this concept at the beginning of the limits and the mm-hmm. limitlessness, that was something I had to actively rewrite and say, okay, like just because I've always been the person who, eh, you know what, I could rather stay home and read my book than go do this thing that feels risky or too vulnerable. Because I've been that in the past doesn't mean that I need to be that way anymore. And I can try this other thing on for size And I kind of have to because I'm here in this situation where I need friends and they're in that cat cafe and I just have to get my butt in there (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then we can work on it. So I think it's important to remind yourself that like it's probably still not going to feel good if it's not naturally easy for you, but you don't need to hold yourself to the versions of yourself that you've been in the past. You know, you can you Mm -hmm. can try it out and maybe nudge yourself in another direction or at least maybe it'll become a skill that you can turn on now and again when needed (laughs) it's a great chance to reinvent yourself nobody knows you (laughs) yeah (laughs) you you don't have to see those people again if it doesn't work so you know it's it's a great way to try on being somebody else or a different version of yourself or to practice so you start small and practice you know what I did when I started was I went to like lots that's what everyone does I'm sure you did the same you go to lots of random things you know you end up doing some sort of beer tasting one day and then some random language tandem another day or then you're going off on some you know strange place or watch some foreign movie or something you know you do all these random events and then you try things on and then you find one where you go ah these are the people I totally click with these are the people that get me and then you start to tune into the ones where your kind of people are and it gets more easy then when you do feel a connection I have been to many where it's just been very difficult I have not enjoyed it (laughs) so you know it depends who comes to certain meetings and certain groups and and it depends what who makes it up you know in terms of like different cultures you know like you can imagine if someone like myself was in the group then it's going to be quite easy to chat because I'm quite chatty you know but not (laughs) everyone is like that and I did go to one dinner I just found out I was pregnant and I went to a dinner a meetup dinner I sat down there was about eight people and to my left there were three young German women really nice and I said good evening how are you and they were like fine and the woman next to me was like fine uh... and I'm like so we're in a Peruvian restaurant so I was like so have you been in this restaurant before nope okay have you ever had Peruvian food before nope I was like, okay, this is going to be a fun <laughs> evening. I think I'll just, I'll just turn around and try the other people, the other side of the table. You know, <laughs> sometimes it, it's been quite challenging, and that's something like culturally here. I think people don't tend to chit chat so much; they don't see the value of that in a way. So that's how you get to know people. You know, just as we did at the beginning of this, we did we chit chat. You know, that's how you connect. I remember going to another one and I sat down and, and next to an Irish woman and we were chatting away and people said, oh, how long have you known each other? And I was like, about five minutes, you know, <laughs> like, you know, because we were just like, yeah. you just get on that ease of chatting, you know. Right. And so, you know, those things are also a huge, that's what I really noticed. And that's why I like running my happiness club. We have women from all around the world that come and you get all these different cultural differences and beliefs and things. And it's quite fascinating. You know, we all have the same problems and the same issues. We're also influenced by our cultures too. And it's, it's rather fascinating. It's such a bold name in some ways. It sets a certain tone. Well, I've always been interested in happiness for all the years I've worked with people because 
I used to go into people's homes when I worked in Scotland and we were all about like recovery, of course, that's what it was about. But more than that, I always wanted people to get more than just not to feel so depressed or not to feel so anxious. Like I wanted to people to really love life and to live. And when I asked people what they wanted, they always said, I want to be happy. And so I was really curious, what does that mean? What does happiness mean? And so that really led me on a path to that. And I remember seeing in Psychology's magazine, they talked about having a happiness club. And I thought, I love that idea. So I thought, I want to set that up and just talk about different ideas about what makes us happy. Relationships being one of them, connection. All the different theories and different ways that we can be happier in our lives and maintain our happiness. And that's really... I call myself a life coach, but I call myself a happiness evangelist because I'm really passionate about sharing the tools and and methods to be happier in our lives. Oh, I love that. The happiness evangelist. Yeah. (laughs) I want to go out there and share. I feel like I have a mission to go out there and share that there's so much that you can do to be happy, to take control of your life. Like you're saying, like, don't be limited. Don't be defined by your limitations or your mindset or what you've experienced, that you can break free of those limitations. And there's so much that you can do to change that. I see so many people held back by those limitations. And it is quite simple to change it. The techniques are very simple. And I really want people to know how to do that. And so that's what I do. And the Happiness Club, the name attracts people a lot. People are curious about that. And so, yeah, I really, I'm really proud of it. I've run it for seven years now here in Munich, and it's wonderful. Like for me, if I read the Happiness Project or the Happiness Club, Club, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why my brain's just giving up right now. <laughs> Happiness Project is also a very good book by Gretchen. Yeah, Rubin, yeah, so yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, well, I think actually, I know why my my brain went there because obviously they're connected and things like that. They are actually areas of of psychology that I find really interesting and yet Mm -hmm. I find it very tricky to engage like I'm very picky about how I engage with it because it runs the risk of just veering off into this really wishy-washy territory where it's Mm. just like a little bit too self-help and not in the way that actually helps yourself (laughs) you know what I mean a little bit absolutely but at the same time I find it so fascinating and so important and it's always very exciting when when you do land on moments and, and content or people that can take on these topics and not go into those different realms that are less attractive for at least me personally. Yeah. Um, so it's been really cool to, to talk to you and hear you talk about these topics because, um, yeah, at least, at least for me, it, it's exactly hitting this, the sweet spot with it. Thank you. Yeah, I'd really want to make it useful and practical. As much as I like talking, I also like to get to what we're talking about. So, you know, we talk about different things. You know, there's a lot of research and everything's kind of based in science and research. So, you know, why things work, which is mostly around neuroplasticity. But um, I take a lot of the latest research. So last week we talked about daydreaming, which might sound a bit woo-woo. But actually the science of why that works and why it's important to give ourselves some time, some downtime as we daydream is fascinating. So we're talking about that next week. We talk about how many friends you need to be happy because Oprah Winfrey just said that she has three friends. And there's actually a lot of research about how we have fewer friends as we get older and why that is. And so, yeah, we just we talk about things that are quite practical, things that work and why they work and Hopefully people go away with ideas. And in fact, I know they do because people come back and say, oh, I put that into action last week. And you can see people really benefiting from it and putting things into place and changing and growing in the group. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. 
Oh man, I'm I'm noticing that you and I could just keep chatting. Yes. <laughs> I'm also noticing I'm getting sad and jealous that I can't come to all these meetings now because it's so interesting. At the moment it's online because of oh. COVID. So we're actually online and I used to do it once per month. And then when COVID started, I thought, gosh, this is a challenging time. Let's put it on for every week, you know, just to get through this tough month. And here we are 17 months later. I'm doing it every single week for the last 17 <laughs> months. That's a lot wow. of topics. Um, wow. So we meet online and, and we have people from all around the world. At the moment, we're online if you ever want to come and check us out. <laughs> I do want to. Okay, so you have to mention the, the details to that in just a moment. But before we get to that, there is one last thing that we have to do here today. And that is the Zack Zack Zacks. So this is a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. It's, it's dinner time. You've been running around all day and you don't have time to cook an actual meal. Um, so what is your go-to thing that'll get you fed but isn't really a proper dinner? <laughs> I, I would always make pasta pesto. Very Three good. minutes fresh pasta and uh, a jar of pesto. <laughs> Does the trick. <laughs> Number two, what is your favorite place to just be and exist in all of Munich? I really love to be in as a little place called the Tea House, Brown's Tea House. It's a tiny little Victorian tea house and uh, my two worlds collide there. It's all got British tea and Scottish shortbread <laughs> and it's run by a woman from Sicily. So being that I live with an Italian is like my two worlds there and it feels like the most comfortable place to be. And they have really good cake. If you could magically have one food or drink from back home in Scotland, constantly existing in your vicinity, be it in a cafe nearby or in your own kitchen, what item would you choose? What food or what drink? I would have shortbread. I miss having shortbread. Oh, <laughs> well, actually, you can get it here, but I, I'm too Scottish to pay, you know, four euros for shortbread. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's a euro a packet back home. I'm not paying four euros for shortbread. <laughs> but I love, I do when I get it. It's such a treat now. Those simple things that you miss, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, very good. Uh, those were your zack, zack, zacks. So now we can get back to the Happiness Club and your coaching. So um, if you can tell people generally where they can find you and then also specifically a little bit more um, about how people can join in the happiness club sure yeah so of course I've got a website julieleonardcoaching.com and there you'll you'll see I do one-on-one -on -one coaching online all around the world and I run some really nice courses on self-compassion and mindfulness-based stress reduction and we're just about to launch the intentional happiness circle so that's a year-long program to get really intentional about your life a blog there too with lots of free resources and YouTube channel too. So lots of free stuff there. So come and find me, connect with me, come and say hi. And I also have a Facebook group called The Happiness Club. So come find me there, come join. I post a lot of inspiration and support there. And there you'll see the events and you'll see The Happiness Club. And so we are currently meeting online due to just the restrictions right now. And so we are meeting every Monday and uh, feel free to come and join me. Come meet me. Come spend a couple of hours with me and other amazing women. Thank you so much for this delightful talk. It's really been nice to, to chat with you. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it too. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Julie, again for coming onto the show. Links to her website and to The Happiness Club are in the show notes. There you will also find links to my website, theexpatcast.com, as well as links to find me on Instagram and on Twitter at theexpatcast. As always, I want to thank Amy Lungi Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. There on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, we'll be back in your feeds with an episode about what it is like to visit your home country for the first time after the pandemic has arrived as a topic in our life. Note, I am not saying after the pandemic. It's clearly still ongoing. I'm just saying the first time since it started. Distinction's important there, I think. All right, until then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy and stay safe. This done. Tschüss.